Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Real Wealth, Real Health, the show that empowers you with insights, information, and inspiration to achieve your version of financial wellness. Learn how to balance living a full life today with planning for the future. This podcast is brought to you by Alpha Investing, a real estate-centric private capital network that provides exclusive investment opportunities to its members. And now, here are your hosts, Ada Pia Dorico and Daniel Coca. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Real Wealth, Real Health. My guest today is Dr. Barbara Provost. Barb is the founder of Purse Strings, which is a business development service that introduces women who seek financial advice to service providers who understand their unique needs. With women who are responsible for over $23 trillion in annual household spending and stand to inherit $30 trillion in the next 7 to 10 years, the financial industry continues to overlook and underserve them. And Barb grew tired of seeing the same problem affecting the women around her and even shape her work as a financial educator. So she took action and created Purse Strings. And in our conversation today, uh, Barb and I really talk a lot about the practical ways and emotional ways that women can build a strong financial foundation for themselves, their families, and their communities. Um, so much of this hinges upon money messages and these unconscious messages and narratives that really run our lives. And we unpack a lot of that um, from money and power to shame and fear. Uh, we talk about values, investing. We talk about the importance of having conversations about finances and money decisions in relationships. There's so much that we get into, and it all really hinges on knowing who we are as individuals and putting a gauntlet down, if you will, throwing down the gauntlet to the financial industry to say women's needs are different and unique. And we already manage and are inheriting a lot of money. So we need the financial industry to do a better job of serving our needs. Barbara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to our, our conversation. We are on similar paths really with, I mean, broadly speaking, financial empowerment for women and financial literacy and what you've built with purse strings is the intersection of those two things. And so, you know, before we get into what is purse strings, I would really love for you to share a little bit about your story of like, what brought you to this point in your life where you've really made it your life's mission to be working on this? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not a financial professional. I'm actually an adult educator and I've spent, you know, many, many years, 20 or so 
working in the financial industry, designing and developing content, education, strategies, performance management for everyone from leadership down through, you know, agents who are onboarding to new agencies down to their staff level. So I had very intimate information around product and process and procedure. And from all the data that I could see in the financial industry, none of it spoke to a female market. Mm. The sales process was very linear with the end objective is to get that product sold. A lot of the marketing materials had just your typical white man and woman skipping down the beach with a boy and a girl, which does not really represent what's out there in the world. And much of it was being sold by traditionally white men. Hmm. And so I would bring this up to leadership over and over and over again, because I could not unsee it. It was, it was everywhere. Mm -hmm. And they, for the most part told me they weren't interested in really changing or making any changes to focus a female market. They just didn't see it again, think about it 20 years ago. And so it's always something I couldn't unsee as I worked in many, many different financial institutions. And then in my own personal life, I went through a divorce about eight years ago and met other women who were navigating the divorce procedures. And they would say things like, I don't know if I can afford this. I never paid the bills in my household. I'm not quite sure if I need life insurance or if he even has life insurance. I mean, pretty fundamental topics that I thought, wow, these are bright, smart, educated women. I'm surprised that they have these kind of questions. So I was very curious about that. And then, you know, running our typical errands on the weekend, I'd see women of retirement age, you know, bagging groceries or stocking shelves. And I think, hmm, do they want to do this work or do they have to do this work? So I had all of these different perspectives coming from different parts of my life. And so I just commissioned a researcher to say, you know, tell me what's happening in the financial industry and how they're supporting women and tell me how women are set for their financial future. And scads of data came back that said the insurance and financial industry wins the award as being the least sympathetic to women and women were not prepared for their financial future. And it just validated everything that I saw. Wow. Yeah. That's what I said. Wow. Everything that I saw. And so what I did next was I went to talk to women. I mm -hmm. held many focus groups and I said, Hey, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what the data is telling me. What's your experience. And time after time, they would say, you know what, Barb, they don't even look at me. If I'm in the room, even with my husband, they just talk to my husband. So yeah. I don't even know why I'm there half the time. Yeah. And many women would say, well, if I'm there, all they want me to do is write a check to buy the product and they don't really even answer my question. So I'm not quite sure what I'm buying. And, you know, lots of these same types of conversations were taking place. And I thought, you know what, the, the other interesting thing, it's a dichotomy because women are a $23 trillion underserved market coming into the largest transference of wealth in history. Yeah. And yet this is a market that's under overlooked, underserved and underprepared. So that's why I built the purse strings model, which is a bridge between women and those who really work in the financial services industry. Right. And those who work in the financial services industry who understand this transition or the, this really this need to serve your audience, which is diverse. I'm sure that this also goes beyond women and it goes into the full spectrum of diversity, having that bridge 
And so what do I mean for, for those listening that we are not all this homogenous white man? I know it seems like, why are you saying this? Well, I am saying this because essentially what, what Barb, what you're saying is that that is how women are being treated in the eyes of the financial services industry. Everyone is, is the homogenous white, white man, whether you're a, a man or a woman, you're expected to not ask questions, write me a check. I'm the expert, but women just, we don't we don't respond well to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First of all, we know we're supposed to ask questions and, you know, we have this age old conditioning about don't ask questions yet. At the same time, we know we're supposed to ask questions when it comes to our finances, because we need to understand and we want to understand. So I feel like we're always fighting this, you know, what we're told to be and to do, to be polite, you know, all, all of that, be polite, stay in your place, just smile, Mm -hmm. just, you know, and then yet at the same time, we know that we're supposed to be informed and we need to know ourselves to make decisions. So, so at this point, this bridge that you've built with purse strings is a bridge of financial professionals in different categories that understand fundamentally, I would say like the, the unifying thing is that they understand that there's a need to treat everyone as an individual and specifically, I should hope to really allow them the space to ask their questions and take the time that they need to, to understand. And as a financial professional, to help educate them in that way. Right. Yeah, exactly. And think about it. I mean, the financial industry was built by men for men. Mm -hmm. That's the model. Mm -hmm. And that's why women don't feel they fit, whether you are a woman working in the financial industry or somebody coming to learn, maybe purchase a product or a service from a financial professional. So the processes and procedures are still taught today are very linear and very driven in terms of, I am the expert and I will tell you what you need, you know, instead of really sitting down and building a relationship and asking her, what is it that are your concerns? What does your future want to look like for you? I mean, all the kind of know your customer, really yeah. know your customer type questions. And so we're, we're still working very, very diligently, even in this day and age, 2022, to really educate the financial industry on how women, first of all, are your market. Mm -hmm. They're 51% of your market, but they don't trust you and they don't make purchases the way that you're trying to sell or engage with your customer. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the financial industry is being, is responsive? Are they responding enough? Are they open? I would say no. And I'll tell you why. Because 70 to 80% of women who are widowed, lose their husband, will leave their financial professional in the first year of being a widow. Because why? They've never, the financial professional has never engaged with her, asked her what she wanted, invited her to the table, answered her questions, whatever it might be. He never coordinated what that conversation should be for her in terms of her financial future. Because think about it all the decisions made at that table impacted her and no one ever asked her anything about it. They don't impact him because statistically speaking, we know this, your male spouse will die before the women. Right. So they leave because they think, okay, now I think I have a card with this guy's name on it. I'm quite not, I don't have any relationship with him. Now I'm going to go find somebody who I can know and trust. And that 
statistic has not changed. Wow. And this, despite some messaging, you know, I think Merrill has a study, Merrill Lynch does a study for about women. And there's a couple other large, like larger institutions on the financial advisory side that are trying to change, or they're trying to hire more women financial advisors. Like I've seen a lit, like a little bit, I did not know this. I did not know this statistic. It doesn't surprise me, but I, at the same time, I'm happy to hear that they actually do switch because I thought maybe that these women who have, you know, they're losing a significant other and that's bad enough already. They might not know what's going on, that they might actually stay with that person. So I'm actually heartened by the fact that they, that they leave and, and look for somebody hopefully mm-hmm. that is more aligned with them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, is interesting because these large financial institutions do these amazing studies that reveal all these powerful statistics about the power of the female market. And yet I have yet to see any of them step forward with anything that's new, Mm -hmm. different, or anything that really makes them relevant in the eyes of women. Mm -hmm. And I look for it. I look for it every single day and I still don't see it. And I think a lot of it is because it starts at the top And a lot of these organizations in their hierarchical structures are white men. Mm -hmm. And so all this push towards DEI and having 50, 50 and having, you know, people of color of people of different, you know, LGBTQ, whatever it is, let's represent what the world represents. You don't see it there. And so they -hmm. don't see what needs to be changed and they don't change. Yeah. So what can we do as women, right? What can we do? knowing this, like, what are the steps that women can take so that they do feel truly empowered, especially as, as, as you know, there's a lot to think about. I mean, unless you're in it full time to some degree, and even if you are like, I do some things in the investment space full time, there's like a whole other world of things that I have basic knowledge about, let's say like right. risk management, like like life insurance. And so And that's me coming from where I come from. Where does somebody who has a, like a different career altogether, like how do they even start? I mean, the overwhelm and I'll, I'll re add additional preface to this, which is as women already take on so much. Mm -hmm. So we're already juggling a lot more, many roles, many responsibilities. And I found in my conversations with women, it can be almost like, oh my God, I don't know if I could take on another, mm-hmm. yet another responsibility because th- maybe it's been historically just easier, like truly historically, hundreds yeah. and hundreds of years of like, you do this and I do that. So where do we start to help it be A, not so overwhelming and B, the end goal being empowering? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, women are the safety net for everything. No doubt about it. We ha- that has never been more clear than during the pandemic when women were leaving their, ro- their jobs or maybe not even leaving their jobs, but working from home and then trying to educate the children, take care of the sick ones, take care of the family members who are ill with COVID. I mean, they were just stressed to the max because they were the ones who are the safety net for the families. And it's unfortunate I would say though, that your financial foundations are core to your life. Mm -hmm. And 
I think that you owe it to yourself and to your future and to your family to really understand your finances. Of course, it can be very complicated and confusing. We've been given so many terrible messages throughout our lives as women that we can't do it. That's why we should give it to, mm-hmm. like somebody said to me, to the brother, the brother-in-law, the dad, the financial advisor, the dog catcher, give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. the reality is it's a tool. So just like anything else, you have to start at the beginning or start at where you are with your knowledge level and take advantage of any resources you can find at purse strings. We have a ton of free resources right online for the taking. I'm sure as I navigate the work I'm doing, I see a ton of different places that women can step in and listen to a webinar or or look at a Facebook live event. Maybe take a little course at the local college, you know, junior college, wherever it is, know your own financial foundations. And for us, that just means know your net worth, know your cash flow, get yourself a budget, know what your debt is, know where your savings are, just know where everything is at mm-hmm. and get everything in sync. Just get all your paperwork together. And even if that's overwhelming, there's plenty of great resources that can help you who love to do this type of thing and can really help you get started. Even if it's not, you know, an investment banker, maybe it's just a right. financial coach, right. You know, to get started, depending where you are, maybe you are very sophisticated and you, you have your investments in line, but you really want to go into crypto or you want to invest in real estate, or you want to do something really different. Then we have people at that level as well. You need to find out where you are, where your comfort zone is and just get started. And like anything else, I believe it's something you have to look at regularly on a monthly basis and then long-term every six months. I agree. Yeah. There's things that I look at like at least monthly and then there's quarterly, you know, and yeah. And then there's like, you know, like a half, like every, yeah, every six months, or every year, maybe like a rebalance, like really mm-hmm. looking at things. And I think the rebalance too, just on this time, like thinking about the timeline and why it's important to look at things is because things change mm-hmm. sometimes suddenly other times, not as suddenly, but if we're not really looking at it, then we, we don't actually know what's going on. We might get a sense like, gosh, this feels like it's changed. Like, especially right now, like we, you know, we, we can tell that inflation is, is eating more of our money, mm-hmm. but until you really look at the numbers, until you really look at, like, it's like, say it's a credit card statement or, you know, what, whatever is going on. Like, and that's kind of scary for a lot of people. It's like, gosh, I really yeah. don't want to face especially if we know, or we think we feel, we feel like, oh, I think it's going not the direction I want yeah. it to go. Right. We don't want to look, but I found such power, such power and empowerment and confidence in, in actually just say, I'm going to, st- I'm going to take my head out of the sand. Mm-hmm. I'm going to face this thing, just like anything else in our lives. Right. Like this is not good. I need to face it. We don't want the discomfort, but there's so much freedom on the other side of fear. There's like, there's liberation on the other side of this discomfort. And I find that a lot of it is there. And when I did my own exploration and myself around it, I found shame. Of course. Yes. I hear this a lot. There was like, I may, and and for me, and I, I thought for me, like, especially air quotes, because I'm in the financial world, I should know better. I should do better. Right. And then, and that's me and everyone has a different version of it, but it always, it always came down to this sense of shame. Mm-hmm. And you had a, an article in your newsletter recently 
that, that, that led to a different article that talked about the messaging Mm -hmm. that women versus men receive. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? Because that was an eye opener for me. And I hadn't considered this before this, like women are told not to spend, to be more frugal, blah, blah, blah. Don't spend your money, which is true for everybody. But the messaging for women was that. And the mm-hmm. messaging for men was you should be investing. Now mm-hmm. extrapolate that back out. And we mm-hmm. really understand where this all starts from. Absolutely. It's the money messages that we've been told throughout our lifetime. And the messages are different between men and women. I mean, like I said early, women were told, and I, I had a, a book club and we talked about what were some of the messages that you were told growing up? It was so sad what these women were told don't earn more than your husband don't earn more than than you should you earn too much money it's a bad thing you should give more to your church you have no business earning that kind of money give the financial decisions to your husband i mean it was it was it was so much more than i even imagined i'd get back i left that group feeling with a heavy heart that we were up against a lot more than I even thought we were. And that's why sometimes it's very difficult for women to talk about money. I mean, think about it. Nobody asked what you paid for anything. Nobody asked how much things cost. Nobody asked you how much you made. Nobody asked anything about money. It was very, very taboo. We just never spoke about it. How? And so one of our models at Purse Strings is if we're not talking about money, we're not learning about money. And money's a tool. We need to start having these conversations and start unveiling the ahas. And I didn't know that. And I thought it was only me. And I felt so bad that I had all this credit card debt and it was getting this high percentage rate. And I didn't want to tell anybody about it. And so I just didn't ever open the credit card bill. And, you know, it compounds itself. And the reality is, just like you said, with anything else, once you rip off that bandaid and say, I'm going to tack this head on and make a plan Mm -hmm. and get an accountability partner or financial coach, whoever that might be, to help me plan the work and work the plan. It's so empowering and you'll get through it. You will get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just a bit of it's, it is, it's just, and I say that very intentionally that word this time, like it's, it's just some paperwork. And, and then when you lay it out in front of you, right. It, we can't answer a question if we don't know what the question is. So right. we, we don't know where we're going if we don't know where we're coming from. Right. It's exactly. kind of like that, that basic idea. And yet it's so couched in all those messages. And I got multiple full body chills, anger ones. When you were talking about those messages that, that came, that came out, like, I didn't even think about those, but as you were saying them, I thought, oh, actually I do recognize those from a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Luckily my parents never said such things to me, but my mom certainly grew up with that in the, the dynamic with like my parents from their generation, it's generational, right? It's not about blame right. or any of that. Like I'm over that. It's really like, my goodness, like that, those messages, cause they care, they do still carry over, right? There's a, there's a lot of this very limiting messaging on both men and women. I mean, we get different angles, but on the financial side of things, it was true for, for a long time. And it's probably still true. in in maybe a lot of relationships where it doesn't feel okay to be the breadwinner and, and then, and then all those other messages. So 
I'm curious because you've mentioned financial coaches a couple of times. So I, I want to maybe talk about that for, for just a moment, because as somebody that does a lot of my own very personal kind of inner work, if you will, I'm very familiar with how empowering and confidence building it is to really know myself and, and to be really honest with, with myself and my things, all my stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've grown so much through that process. Now I do that for myself in finance. But it, but because I feel like I have enough of a baseline knowledge to, to do it, but then there's these coaches that could act like that for, I mean, let's talk about that. I really want to unpack this, this a little bit because I've never really thought about what a financial coach could do because I hadn't thought of it from the perspective of like inner work, which mm -hmm. is ultimately what this always all comes down to is unpacking who am I, what are my limiting beliefs and how are they playing out in my life? Right. And yeah, we've had this on our podcast and I've talked to many of our financial coaches about it. And it's kind of those money mantras that were told to us very often. And like you said earlier, it's guilt, it's shame. If I have debt, some debt is good debt. Oh, and, 100%. you know, and some debt you might think is not such good debt, but the thing is you may have needed that at the time. I, I knew, a coach who had this story about this woman who had twins and her husband left her mm -hmm. and she had no money. So she had to use her credit card to get the diapers, to get the food, to, to live on. And so she had like $20,000 in debt, but she needed that to survive herself and her children. And the thing is that was her lifeline and it doesn't matter. That's what she needed at the time. Doesn't mean that couldn't be paid off. It will be paid off. It's forgiveness, right? You need to forgive yourself for even feeling that shame or that there are times, you know, when we all start out, my daughter, who's, you know, out of college has a ton of school loan debt, mm -hmm. you know, and she's in angst over it now, but I'm like, that's good debt. It gave you a great education. Yeah. You will pay that off. Yeah. And let's not live every day in angst over the money. Let's get a plan in place. So financial coaches really help you look at the bigger picture, look at money as a tool, look at where you're at, look at where you want to go and not be so filled with guilt and shame about where you are today, because you will get out of that. You will move forward on a day by day by day basis when you have a plan and you will come out of it stronger and you will find out strategies and different ways to pay down your debt and different ways to manage your life and different ways to make good financial decisions. And you'll feel so much better about yourself. But nobody ever taught us that they yeah. don't teach financial literacy in school. No, they're just starting to pass some laws about this now. But they don't teach it. I think they should start from kindergarten on the value of money and how to use money all the way up through your MBA programs, because people come out of school, they have a lot of debt. And they might be making a good paycheck but they need to know how to manage that money so that it's in balance. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people don't really know how debt works. They don't understand the, the credit card. They don't understand the interest rate and the way it's calculated and what a monthly minimum payment really is, really is right. When you're only making your, your, your monthly and these are life skills. Like, I mean, yes. there's, you know, speaking of studies, I was reading something the other day that was saying that the, the level of financial literacy in America is extremely low and not just in children, but in adults. And this is no one's fault. 
again, if you're not taught it, unless you seek this information out for yourself, because you realize, or you understand that, like, I need to make a change. I need to know this when we're not taught something and in the system and as life goes on, it's no one's fault. It's, it's just a, a maybe a few people decided, Hey, I'm, I'm going to self-educate on this topic, right. but for everyone else, they, they think they're doing the right thing. And then the worst, the, the, the thing that I really want to avoid for a lot of people, men and women is that you wake up one day and you feel like, gosh, it's too late. Right. It's never too late. Yeah. But it a lot is, of people, right? yeah. I mean, we were just talking about that and you know, the best time to plan was yesterday. Yesterday is gone. So start yeah. today, right? Yeah, exactly. Start today. But you know, the whole idea around financial literacy, this is what makes me sad. There's a large percentage of people who couldn't come up with a thousand dollars if they needed yeah. new tires on their car, or they needed to go see, you know, their parents, if they were ailing or something like that, that they just needed, they just throw it on a credit card. And of course, if that's what you need to do at that point in time, that's what you need to do. But that's a clue that says there are some changes I might be able to make in the way I'm managing my money that I can be able to maybe save a some money every month so that I have an emergency fund or something like that, you know, and it's really about, and I call it being financially conscious about your spending and your savings and it's not right or wrong, but it's being savvy and knowing some tips, some techniques, some insights to interest rates and compound interest versus simple interest and different types of investments and ways to best pay your mortgage that might save you some money, things like that. Yeah. 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 Refinancing your student loans, like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, when is a good time, when is a good time to do that? And also the the difference between, do I pay off my debt, all of it, or as much of it as I can right away, or do I save and pay off debt at the same time that there's, and you know, it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning too. It's very personal. Everyone yes. has, and, and this is, I think what can be really challenging is we get a lot of messages. There's a lot of media. There's a lot, there's a lot out there. Right. And, and I think we all form a a generalized sense of what that is telling us to do. And it's, again, it's one giant message really do this. This is good. This is bad in the end. And we internalize that as good and bad. And then we think when we hear somebody else, and maybe this is part of the, like, I don't want to talk about it because I feel like I'm, you know, generally speaking, it always comes down to, I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. And somebody else says, I did really well on this investment. I don't know, throwing it out there. And then immediately you feel like, oh God, well, I I didn't invest in that. Maybe, (laughs) maybe that, maybe I should be doing that. And it's completely out of your risk tolerance. Yeah. Or it's like, or your value system. Like there's just so much. It's like, no, that's actually, that's great for them that they did that. And hopefully they did it aligned to their intentions and their financial plan and everything. But I think, again, it comes back to what, what are my goals what do, what do I want for me? Exactly. What makes me feel comfortable? I mean, I can't even tell you how many times you've taken those like assessments and it's like, what's your, like, what's, what's your risk tolerance and would you yeah. feel comfortable losing X amount of money on paper? I'm like, oh yeah, I, I I'm good. But in reality, if I lose that money, I'm so not good. Yeah. So not good. I'm so not happy. I'm really upset. And (laughs) so it's like the honesty with yourself too, and to watch the comparisonitis 
of, oh, but I need to be doing more. And that's something that, that plagues me a lot is there's always more and there is, there's always multiple different ways of making money, especially when you start to operate at levels where you have access to private investments, which are very lucrative and they're very different. And it can be really easy to start to, to feel like, well, I should be doing more and I should be doing more and I should invest more and I should be having a higher rate of return. And then, and then it's always that it's always the exercise of bringing it back and saying, really, is that correct for me? And then we go back right. to the paperwork to yeah. like our, you know, we go back to <laughs> yeah. like our starting block and yeah. like I you reread the notes. Is that really the right thing for me? Right. And, and so that check-in and I, and I think, you know, you were saying this, like you check your, you like your quarterly statements or your monthly statements. And, and I would say probably also checking our personal goal statements and yes. those, those pieces too. Right. Right. Because we need to understand, you know, everybody is different. Like you're saying, what is your own value system? What is it that you want to do in your life? And are you going down that road? But let's complicate this a little bit more and say, let's say you're going to partner up, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? That is another huge conversation about money, about money messaging, about money values, about how to use money, how you're, you use money as a tool. What is, how does money make you feel? What does success look like? All of that. Cause we know a lot of partnerships, marriages, they end because of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they end because we don't communicate. <laughs> About, exactly. We were never taught money. about yeah. what does it mean to communicate about money, right? Yeah. And we have opened a lot of those very interesting conversations here at Purse Strings yeah. around what are the conversations you really need to have if you're going to get married or be in a partnered relationship. Yeah. You know, so many, just the other day, somebody said, I'm going to buy a piece of real estate, but I'm going to get married soon. Should I put it in my name? or our names, mm. you know, and mm -hmm. it's very interesting question. Or do you pull your money together when you get married as one big, you know, ball of funding, mm -hmm. or do you keep it separate? And the question I love to ask is what amount of money would you spend and not feel that you had to first ask your partner? Is it $500? Is it $5,000? You know, is it $20,000? Like if you were out on vacation with your girlfriends and you saw a beautiful piece of artwork, mm -hmm. what would be that amount that you'd call your partner and say, Hey, I would really like to buy this. What do you think versus just buying it and taking it home? Mm -hmm. You know, what's that amount of money? And it opens up a really interesting dialogue around, around that topic and to see kind of where you are on your value system. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole, I don't but that's like a whole other like hour to two or more conversation, just about the complexities of, of being in, in relationship. And I know that's been the, for me with, with my husband, it's, it's a big, it's a really big, it's a huge piece of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and having those conversations and still, like, I feel like you still don't really know a person sometimes <laughs> it's like, you really don't, you really, and sometimes you don't even know yourself when it comes to like certain kinds of questions. I think I was reading something the other day where the, the, it was a conversation between this couple and, and one, it was similar. They wanted to invest it into something. And I think it was the man and the woman 
didn't want to. And where they were diverging was because the woman wanted to put that money away for their kid's college. And the man was in his mind thought, well, no, my kids could pay their own way. Mm -hmm. So back to those values, which again, underneath all of that before even relationship is my own. Exactly. It's back to me, right? It's what do I want? What, what is it? What is important to me and how well do I know myself and evolving that knowledge of self as time goes on. Cause I know my financial goals have changed or what's important to me has changed what I want to spend money on, what I think now is worth, you know, spending more money on versus, you know, the, those different things. So it's this constant, like it's really is this constant personal work that we have to do. And the, the other thing that really kept coming forward, keeps coming forward in, in this conversation and everything that plagues everyone especially women, I think is the sense of, I have to get it right. It has to be perfect. And that perfection, that weird perfection halo that we carry, Mm -hmm. even in finances, I don't know what it is. And it's different for everyone, but we have that sense of, I have to be perfect or infallible. I can't get this wrong. I can't let somebody know that I don't know, which is, Mm -hmm. I think the other half of the don't Mm -hmm. ask questions. Yes. And it comes under this umbrella of of perfection, of infallibility, I think is a protection mechanism. Mm -hmm. Well, and I would say, you know, as my background and training and experience as an adult educator, no adult wants to come and say they don't know Mm -hmm. in front of peers or friends or family members. It's very, puts you in a very vulnerable position, right? It really opens you up to you know, criticism or something like that. So we kind of nod our head and smile a lot, but sometimes we just don't know. And I think that's another reason why women don't always like to talk about money because they're afraid people will find out that they don't know as much as they should probably know. And, you know, that makes me sad because how do you learn Mm -hmm. unless you, you know, kind of start having those conversations. So we build a very safe community here at purse strings to ask your questions, whatever they might be. In fact, we like to tee up, we must've teed up a hundred different questions that are asked every single day and they're answered by experts, you know, just so that you can go in and peruse them. Because if you have that question, plenty of other people have that question too. And like you said, it's complicated. It can be very complicated. So no one expects you to know everything. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's really wonderful. And, you know, obviously we align a lot because you have purse strings. I have women of wealth, which is like a smaller, much smaller mastermind where that, but, and it's the same mechanism. And it's actually similar conversations that I have with my investors at, at alpha on the private equity side, where I tell them you, if you have a question, I really want you to ask me that question. Like you need to, you need to ask me the question. And, and it all comes down for me, this baseline, like purse strings or wow, or alpha or anything is the safe space mm-hmm. to leave shame and guilt and all this conditioning at the door, um, to the degree that one feels comfortable mm-hmm. and to see that we're all struggling and succeeding in the same exact ways. They just have slightly different flavors and we're all so similar. And this community that's being built, especially around women 
in finance is so vitally important Mm -hmm. to not only our personal success, but those of our families, those of our communities and the world, we need more women to really step into this and really like own it because how else are we going to change this world to be more aligned to our values? If we don't step up and take real control over the finances, which whether you like it or not, this world operates this way. This is Mm -hmm. the game and we have Mm -hmm. to play it. We have to play it and we have to speak it and we have to be, we have to be willing to go into a little bit of discomfort because it's, it's so, so worth it. And the Mm -hmm. safe space that you're creating or wow, or multiple communities is just such a beautiful movement. And I just am so grateful to you that you're doing this and you, you have your educator background and you're doing it with content and you're, and you're bringing other professionals forward. You're finding those professionals in a way you're creating a directory for people to find an alignment. Right. Which is for so many of us, the hardest thing, like there's a hundreds of thousands, I don't know, thousands, definitely tens of thousands of financial professionals out there. How do I know which one is right for me? Gosh, where do I even start? And so yeah, purse strings. Yeah. Thank you. And what you just said was so beautiful because it's very female centric. Women come to the table. They're thinking about when they make a financial decision, how does it impact me? How does it impact my children? How does it impact my community? How does it impact the world? Because that's what we're thinking about. That's why it's taking us a little bit longer. That's why we're asking more questions because we want to make the right decision. You know, women are really thinking about how are my investments working for other people? How is it helping to give water to those in Africa? How's it helping to invest in cancer, you know, drugs? How is it helping to invest in women empowerment? How is it helping? You know, it's really rippling out and women are very thoughtful when they're making their decisions around all the people in their arena that it impacts. It's not just about them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it has a, a really beautiful butterfly effect for everyone because there's, there's, I can't even tell there's so many men that I meet too. And, and they've actually told me like, I really want my wife to, yes. can I send her your way? Because I would really like, she needs to talk to another woman right. about this. And so we have a lot of allyship as well. And so I like, it's really encouraging because I feel like there is a dissolving, you know, not when you look at the media, but like, there is this dissolving of these old ways of these old roles of like, no, like you're don't, I don't want you to know about this because I want to hold the power around money. Right. Like those are really old paradigms that do still exist to some degree, but they're actually going away a lot faster than I think we realize because we're still hesitant to have the conversations. And so that's like a long way of me saying for even those listening, especially for the, for the men that I know listen to this podcast is like, is like the encouraging of the women in your life, whether it's like, you know, mothers or sisters or wives or daughters, especially like that, that's like, we really have to get them young so that they don't have to go through what some of us have gone through or continue to go through around Mm self-esteem confidence and a sense of scarcity and lack, which really ultimately lands in fear, which gets us nowhere. Absolutely. And, and those who haven't stepped forward and learned, it's only been in trauma that they've had to whether, you know, divorce, death of a spouse, that's no time to start making financial decisions and starting to learn about all this. 
And as a swell of the baby boomer ages, we're going to see a lot more widows and we're going to see a lot more women that need to step into their power and can, they can Mm -hmm. step into their power. Yeah, absolutely. I agree so much. Well, Barb, thank you so much for coming on. I know we could probably keep talking for hours about, (laughs) about this. There's, there's so much, but thank you. It's been such, just such like a, like filling, fulfilling conversation. And, and I hope that, you know, more people find out about you. We'll post links in the show notes for you. And obviously, you know, we share this on all the platforms and social and everything like that. But so it's, can you just quickly tell people, you know, where they can find out about personal strings and about you and what's the best way to reach out to you? Sure. We're just at purstrings.co. It's not.com it's.co. And then all of our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, it's all purstringsco. So find me there. Wonderful. Thank you again so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Real Wealth, Real Health. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and found it both informative and insightful. We welcome all your questions and your feedback about today's episode. And especially, we welcome your questions about specific topics that you would like us to cover. So shoot us an email at podcast at alphai.com. And if you have a moment, we really appreciate ratings and reviews as it helps us grow our online community and our interactions with you. And we'll also be linking to a number of relevant articles on topics that we might have touched on during our conversations. Some of them are broad, some of them are technical, but we're always aiming to provide information that helps you better understand the mechanics of building this healthy financial foundation, especially if you're looking to do this with real estate. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.